0: Hey there, it's Susan Bradley, and you are on the roadmap to 50K. You know I am building a new store, I'm doing it on Shopify, and I'm bringing you along for the ride because I really want you to see what I do that works to get me closer to 50K so that you can do it too, but also what doesn't work so well, so that you can avoid some of those mistakes and have a smoother ride to your 50K. Now, today I am talking with one of our Inner Circle members who's on his own journey to 50K. And in fact, he is almost there. And we're really going to talk about some big rocks, things that he's mastered over the last year that have helped him be able to work full-time on his business, How as a maker, he's been able to stop being afraid to sell because of all the making he would have to do. And lastly, how he's gotten to a place where he is super confident in what he's doing And he knows he's going to be able to have a six-figure store next year. So buckle up. This is a good one. You won't want to miss it. You might even want to take some notes. I'm going to see you on the inside. Welcome to the Roadmap to 50K on Shopify. Each week, we'll take you behind the scenes of real stores, where you're going to learn actionable strategies and tips that will fast-track the growth and profitability of your e-commerce business. So, buckle up. Welcome your host and Shopify expert, Susan Bradley. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode. You are going to love my guest. His name is Wes. And Wes, welcome to the Roadmap Podcast. Thanks for having me
1: on, Susan. I'm happy to be here.
0: I'm so happy you're here because you are a fan favorite. Inside of the inner circle. And there's a funny story about how we met. And I knew that you uh, had uh, been following my good friend, Jane Hamill. And I don't actually look at my Instagram uh, that often, sadly. I'm not good at Instagram. But one day I was there looking at the messages and and you popped. And I just always smile every time I think about you because you said, I know it's called the social sales girls, but our dudes allowed (laughs) in the inner circle.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. It's funny to think about it now. But I, I don't know what I was thinking. Like, I just read social sales girls. Oh, it's only uh, for girls. Like, I better make sure I can, I can be in this first.
0: <laughs> well, I think it happens all the time. That that I think it's our messaging that happens all the time. But we are also glad that you're here. And even though we're probably 90% women, we all love you. So I'm so glad that you agreed to come on the podcast with me. Because really, what we want to talk about is uh, uh, I'm hoping that from listening to you, Uh, Some of the people that are struggling right now will uh, see how you've been able to really break down your progress into a, a bunch of big rocks that have kind of moved you forward. And so at the time, they felt like baby steps. But when we look at a whole year, which is about as long as you've been in the inner circle, it's like massive progress. It's like this snowball That's rolling down the hill and just picking up speed and getting bigger as it goes. And so I am so thrilled uh, that you've like you're just you're just so methodical and so organized. So I'm so thrilled that you can share that because I think what you have to say is going to help a lot of people. And so before we get started uh, into your big rocks, can you just share with everybody where you were in business? Uh, like how did you get to the place where you were joining the inner circle? W- how long had you been in business? What did your business look like back then? And and you got to tell everybody what you make in case I don't know. All the members will know, but the other people.
1: <laughs> yeah. So uh, my line is called Carl Wesley and I make men's underwear uh, all made in the USA. And I have designs that you can't get anywhere else. Um. And when I started the Inner Circle about a year ago, I had had a little bit of success selling my products on Etsy, and I had decided that I needed to make it something bigger and start selling on my own website. Um, and that was when I joined the Inner Circle to help me grow that part of my business.
0: And so, and, and so in that year, so I, did you tell me you were selling maybe $1,000 a month when you joined?
1: When I right when I joined the inner circle was when I had my first month of a thousand dollars and oh,
0: and so that felt great.
1: that w- that was definitely a good
0: uh, you know success to kind of get me started. Yeah, because even that's like even that takes time. Even that's a bit of a struggle to get to that thousand dollars a month. And so you told me that last month you had so like ten months in or eleven months in, you had your best month ever. and, uh, do you mind sharing?
1: Yeah, totally. So it's so exciting. But you know, from where I came, but last month, my best sales month ever was about $4,800.
0: So good. Good for you. And you don't spend a ton on ads?
1: Uh, Not really. No, about $10 a day, which I don't think is a ton.
0: No, that's not a ton at all. And but there are some things that you have done along the way, which I just, uh, I just, I just want everyone to to really uh, t- onboard and think about how they can figure out what their big rocks are and how they can really get consistent with them. So one of the things you said to me was that when you decided to join the inner circle, that that was a turning point for you, where you had a conversation with yourself that went, uh, I, "I'm tired of this being my side hustle" because you had a full time job then, and. Uh, I need to do what it takes. I have to change something so that I can build a business that gets me a paycheck. And so you came in uh, with a really serious attitude. But I love love what you told me as we went through. And one of the things you told me was that you doubled your prices. So in case people don't know, you've been sitting behind the sewing machine for a while.
1: Yeah, so I've been making all the product myself, cutting it and sewing every single piece up until about the last two months or so.
0: Yeah. And so when did you decide to uh, go in and and choose uh, the items? Like I'm I'm sure you didn't double the prices across the board, but you chose uh, strategically some product and pretty much doubled your prices. Where along the line did you decide it was okay to do that?
1: Oh, gosh, I'm, I've am i been slowly increasing them over the last year. Um, maybe one big turning point was when I after I read profit first, mm-hmm. and I started really looking at the numbers and what does it take to pay myself? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, my gosh, you know, this is like, I'm just not charging enough. I'm never going to be able to pay myself. And when I saw that, I'm like, I have to raise my prices because I can't run a business that's not going to pay me forever.
0: Right, because you were working for free, probably.
1: And I had a full-time job on top of it. So I was already <laughs> tired working on my business. Like, you know, it was just not enough to not take a paycheck from Yeah.
0: Me. And so you really drilled it down and said, hey, like, I need to get a paycheck. And I can't wait forever to do it. I need to start getting some money out of this now. And you decided to slowly raise your prices. Um, I guess what most people... Uh, worry about? And I don't know whether you did or not, but were you worried that people would stop buying?
1: Oh my gosh. Yes. i like, I thought it was going to be the end of the world. Like my business <laughs> was going to be over. Like all my people, <laughs> Back to the the warehouse. but <laughs> you know, the funny thing is like all that stuff that was in my head, like none of it, none of it happened. I still have some of those same people buying from me now. And I think not just me, but a lot of makers, we have, yeah, problem of not really seeing what the value of our own work is. Like, it's probably way more than we see. What it yeah.
0: Is. And actually, you said to me before we started a bunch of things that makers have in their heads that holds them back, actually, and gets in their own way. And the the one of the things that you brought up, which and this is really when I was like, okay, I have to get Wes on the podcast, because, uh, you know, we work with a lot of makers, a lot of really creative people. And, uh, you know, I would say out of 10 of them, nine will tell me that uh, 5 million reasons why nobody else can make their product.
1: (laughs) Oh, no, it's totally. I think that's totally true. And the funny thing is, is it's not true at all that there's probably 10,000 other people that can make your product and they can make it for less than you would pay yourself. And they can probably make it better than you can also. Yeah.
0: And so, you know that now and you're a smart guy, but you also had that problem. You thought that if, if you gave the manufacturing away, um, that would be the end of your business too.
1: Yeah. And it's just, it's just not true. It's just something made up in my head.
0: For sure. So, so I love, so big rock number one, of course, is you gave yourself permission to make this a real job, like every other business that is successful. (laughs) You said, this has got to pay the bills and part of the bills is me. And then the second thing is you decided to um, understand that as a maker, you're really going to put a cap on what you can potentially earn if you don't get out of the making mode. But you told me that when you were there, and I think people are going to relate to this so much, I've heard this time and time again, uh, that you were actually afraid to sell when you were the maker.
1: Yes. And I think probably other people that make their own products have a similar feeling. Like, you know, I can go send out this email and sell fifty of whatever you sell, but then my concern was, well, if I sell that many, how am I going to have time to actually sew all the product? Yeah.
0: So, so I was afraid
1: to sell because I didn't think I could keep up with the yeah. orders.
0: And so how long was it taking you when you uh really realized that, well, something's gotta change here? How, like, so somebody would buy something on a Monday, like, was, did you have any inventory in stock or was it all? I did not have
1: any inventory until just
0: recently. It was all like totally made on demand. Oh, and so if I ordered Monday, when would you even be able to ship my order?
1: So my goal was to get it out within three to five days. So that was a lot of pressure on myself,
0: especially working a full-time job. Yeah. On top of this. And so you would like come home from work and eat something really fast and then get to it? Yeah, I would.
1: I was like exhausted when I'd get home and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I have to make all these orders. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like in my mind, something had to change because it wasn't a fun business anymore. It was. Oh.
0: <laughs> so, so, and were you still not getting paid too on top of it?
1: <laughs> I don't remember when I started paying myself, but it's been several months now. But in the beginning, I wasn't. I was yeah. working on my business to death and not paying myself. Yeah. We product. probably
0: bossed you into it. What do you think? Is that? <laughs> I said well, all of us probably would boss you right into taking a paycheck. Who knows?
1: <laughs> yeah. If you're making all the product and shipping it and running the website yeah. and everything else, like you just cannot pay yourself. No. It's too much
0: work. It's too much work. And so I think people will love to hear the the journey that you took to find some manufacturing. And so I'm going to ask you to share that because I think, you know, I think it's not always smooth sailing for sure. But I think that uh, if people can hear from you uh, how you were able to overcome that, maybe that will inspire them to start having a look around And so can you just share how that all evolved, the manufacturing?
1: Yeah, so I decided, I had been thinking about it for a while, but it first really hit me that I had to find someone else to produce the product when I was working on orders one day and one of my sewing machines broke and production stopped. And I was so frustrated and I thought to myself, you know, I can spend the money and get my machine fixed and we can start this all over again, or I can start taking some of my money and paying other people to create the product. And then I don't have to deal with the stress anymore. So that was when it really like hit home that something has to change. And um, what helped me a lot was I had a little zoom call with another member in the group. Uh, Taylor is her name. And she is kind of familiar with uh, manufacturing. She has a clothing line also. And we talked a, a little bit about it. And just after that, I felt way more comfortable like just with her expertise and I'm like, it, I was making it a bigger deal than it actually was Yeah, in my mind. And you
0: might not die. You might be okay.
1: Yeah. No, that's, that's <laughs> what I thought was going to happen in my head. So <laughs> shortly after that, I started making calls to some manufacturers and I mean, it kind of was pretty easy after
0: that. Was it just like a Google search? You just did a search for people in your area or how did you well, do it?
1: Actually... I found contacts on Makers Row. I don't know if you're familiar oh, right. with yeah. Makers Row, which has got like, all kinds of production facilities for sewn products and everything else. So I just started calling places that I found in Chicago to see you know if they'd be interested in working with me. And some of them I knew right at the beginning. like Just from the first conversation, I thought, this isn't going to work. But then I found one guy. Um, I took some samples in there and had him sew them and kind of went from there.
0: Perfect. And so, uh, and then you moved.
1: And then, yeah, and then we moved to South Bend and I thought the world was going to end for my business again, <laughs> which has
0: not been the case, fortunately. <laughs> and so you were able to actually find an, someone else to make your, your uh, products in South, right in South Bend.
1: Yep. I found a, a local seamstress uh,
0: that works on them from her home. Yeah. Amazing. And so um, I think what we do when we're in that place is we throw walls up. Because, because, okay, Chicago, big place, lots of stuff going on, maybe not so hard to find someone to make your stuff. Right. right. And I
1: thought, Oh, my gosh, I'm moving to the middle of nowhere. I'm middle like, of nowhere. No sewers or anything. And it's just not, it's just not true. It's all stuff that I made up.
0: And so now you're not afraid to sell.
1: No, because yeah. I know that I have I have help. So if I sell a bunch of products, I don't have to sell it or sew it all on my own.
0: And because you raised your prices, you're profitable still.
1: And and you know, it's funny because my partner and I were talking about it a couple of days ago. And he's, he said to me, he's like, you know, now that you have this lady working for you, it's like you're working all the time, but you're really not. And I'm like, (laughs) I know, isn't it amazing? Like, I just feel like I've had this weight lifted off of me. Everything's so much easier
0: now. So everything doesn't start and stop with you. Right. Yeah. That's so, so good. I
1: I have the time to focus on the things in my business that are really what makes me the money. Yeah. The email marketing and, uh, you know, doing the social media and sending the text messages because those are things that I can't easily have someone else do. Really, I have to do those.
0: Yeah. You're the creative behind that. Right. Yeah. You recently told me uh, in the group, actually, that you get a better response from text marketing than you do from email.
1: I do, actually. Um, And I think that's just because of the way that I have set it up for my business. So the people that are on my SMS list pretty much are all people that are on my email list also. Okay. Opted into the text updates because they really want to be in the know when I come out with the new products you know, in the deals or whatever. So they're probably my most engaged
0: people. And so how do you, uh, how do you communicate with them? That's different than email.
1: Um, It's really not that different. I mean, my text marketing pretty much is the same as my email marketing. I just, you know, make it even more simple to fit into a text message.
0: Yeah. Like really strip it down with just the bare necessities and it, it
1: forces you to make your marketing message, you know, super concise and yeah. easy to
0: understand. And so are you sending something out every week?
1: Um, I probably do most weeks two or three times a week. Do? I do two or three emails, two or three texts a week. Usually yeah. not just one.
0: So good. So good. So you um so so the first thing was you doubled your prices which uh, puts you in a place to actually start paying yourself. But then you realize that you couldn't actually make all the underwear. And so you opened your mind to the fact that you could perhaps find someone else to make it so that you could do more marketing, which I love. And you're a good marketer for sure, good, strong marketer. And so there's one marketing event that you've done. When I asked you, okay, what's the one thing you've done over the year? That, uh, that really moved the needle. I love what you told me. And I think that you're not the only one that could do that. So do you, can you share that, uh, your, your thing with yeah, everybody? So,
1: so over and over again, what I've done for the last year to grow my email list was I've done uh, partnered giveaways with influencers on Instagram. And those are just uh, people I find when I'm out scrolling through Instagram Um, you know, based on what they post and who their followers are, I think they might like the product that I have and that their followers might also like the product. So I reach out to them and say, hey, do you want to run a giveaway for me for a week? And I'll send you some free products. Yeah. So the giveaway
0: is for their followers to opt in to my email list. That's right. And so you, um, so that's the difference, right? You're not just... uh you're not just saying, hey, can you promote my giveaway? You're actually making setting them up as the person who's having the giveaway for their followers. Is that right?
1: Right, right. So
0: yeah.
1: it's basically their giveaway, you know, to promote for a week and I sponsor the product.
0: Yeah, love that. How I look at it. Yeah. And so how much time do you find uh searching for those people?
1: You know, not really that much. I guess, you know, kind of just scrolling around on Instagram. I found yeah a few people a couple of times I've had influencers reach out to me that I thought were a good fit.
0: Great. So when we were talking about that, here's what's beautiful guys is that we were talking about that. And I said, and Wes told me and I'm like, Oh yeah, I tried that <laughs> with a dog, <laughs> like a dog account. And they hosted the giveaway and, um, and I got 34 names and you came back and said to me something like I would say to you, which was really kind of encouraging that it, they're not all like that.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> I've done quite a few giveaways with influencers now. They're not always really successful. I've had some that I only got 10 or 20, you know, email signups. And then I've had others that were really successful and I got 100 or more. Yeah. A giveaway.
0: And so you don't just uh, like, like, say that doesn't work and move on. If that's your thing. You got it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can't expect everything you do to be a win. Like, you know, it's all experimenting. You know, sometimes you hit the mark, sometimes you don't. But even when you don't hit the mark, you kind of learn what you can do better the
0: next time. Yeah. What I love is that um, when you uh, have them host the giveaway and you find these people that have a following, you've given, uh, there's something in it for them because they like to be, uh, you know, have things to to give their followers, but you know, that even if it's not wildly successful, that these are your perfect people.
1: Right. And you know what, what else though, even if I don't get tons of signups, whatever pictures they take, you know, that's oh, yeah. content I can reuse on social media. Yeah. And there's so much more that you get out of it. And when you think about what is the lifetime value of an email up, I mean, you know, if I gave three products to somebody and it got me 20 email signups, like really, that's a pretty good yeah. you know, return.
0: Right. Uh, if you think about what three uh, three products cost you really in dollars and cents, it's cheaper than any ad you could run. We're
1: right. That's, you know, that's why I've kept doing it because I know yeah. that to get the same results by putting all the money into ads, yeah, it, it would cost me way more to get the same amount. Of yeah.
0: Money. And maybe not as genuine.
1: Yeah, I mean that that too. I don't I don't know. Like I've just this partnered giveaway has really worked. Yeah, well for my business for so many different reasons.
0: Yeah, and I feel and it's like, like social
1: these... it's social proof. Yeah. to have people that really love your product and they help promote it for you.
0: Right, and when it's an ad, it's so much less personal. Right. Yeah, so much less of a contact. Okay, so when I think about the big rock, so we talked about doubling your prices. Uh, which got you to the point where you could uh, have your products manufactured, gave you more time to market, and you found this one thing that worked for you. Then the last thing really is that you told me you had decided when you joined the inner circle that this was a turning point. You were actually going to dig in deep. And then you said something that, uh, <laughs> that I hear all the time from people who have success And it's all about consistency.
1: Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of us, when we start selling online, we think there's just this one magic formula, this one magic thing, this one thing we're going to do. And all of a sudden we're going to be successful. And I would say that's not been the case at all for me over the course of the last year. It was a culmination of lots of little things that built on each other. Yeah. Now, it wasn't just one little thing I could tell you to do. That's going to be a game changer.
0: Yeah. It's not, it's your consistent focus on a few things.
1: And I, I think, you know, I know one thing I've noticed in the group is that a lot of people don't like to send emails, like <laughs> for whatever reason. And they're like, Oh, I sent three emails and I didn't get any sales. Like, I mean, it just doesn't work that fast. You have to do no. it like probably a couple months to see the results.
0: For sure. Right. Like I could even, I could even, uh, Uh, spew that sometimes. If I look at at the campaigns for Sock Doggo, there's lots of campaigns that say zero sales. But when we look at it at the big picture, if you keep consistently putting that stuff out there before you know it, emails are like 35 or 40% of your sales.
1: Right. And I don't get sales from all of my emails either. So when I see people post, oh, I sent this email and I didn't get any sales. Like it's okay. Because you put your product in front of people one more time and push them just a little bit closer to yeah. make purchase, even if they didn't buy right then.
0: I agree with you so much. Listen, uh, y- you know, you're just an inspiration for so many people and especially the makers in the crowd, because I think, You know, my heart goes out to them particularly because they're just uh, so busy in their business. Sometimes it's hard to see the forest for the trees, but you've done a great job of that, Wes. But I want to know what's next. What's next for you? What are we going to see in 2021?
1: So in 2021, uh, one of my goals that I've been inspired by other members in the inner circle is that I want to do a subscription. uh, Maybe not, I wouldn't call it a subscription box, but a subscription service for my product perfect,
0: Jen. Because you have a lot of people who buy a lot of underwear.
1: Right, and I have a lot of repeat customers too yeah. actually, so
0: Yeah. And they thrive on newness, right? I bet you have some people who buy pretty much every new thing you come up with.
1: You know, you're probably you're probably right. Yeah, I think my returning customer rate is like 30 to 40%. Oh,
0: okay, if it yeah. gets over 40, you need to get go out and bump up your traffic.
1: But yeah, there's like, I believe the 80-20 rule applies to a lot of things in business. And I would say that 80% of your sales are going to come from 20% of your customers. And it's probably the same people that buy over and over again from you. So I think a subscription would be perfect for my audience. What else? Anything else in the pipe? And the other thing I want uh, that's on my goals for 2021 is I want to start doing wholesale uh, now that I have people to manufacture the product for me. Yeah.
0: Well, it's opened up. It's created
1: all new opportunities for you. So yeah, it's just like once you remove yourself from all the little things in your business and you start looking at the big picture, there's so much more possibilities of what you can do.
0: That's so true. You're so right. And but while you're so busy sweating and laying in bed at night, wondering how you're going to get all those orders out, there's no room for that.
1: But it's, it's, yeah, I mean, over the last year, it's really been a big mindset shift from me. When I started thinking that I have to do every little thing yeah. for my business and to now where I'm at, you know, it's not a big deal to outsource.
0: Yeah. Something. Are you worried about, um, do you think you'll easily find someone else if you need a second or a third person? To show, Um, to soap? I
1: do because everything has just worked out beautifully since we've moved. Actually, the seamstress that I just hired, she has other seamstresses that she knows that would probably be interested in taking work. And also through her, I found a manufacturer here in South Bend that's like a dream come true for me. So they are a nonprofit. They train women for industrial sewing jobs. And they do production sewing, you know, as a revenue stream for them. So I just think, you know, that's worked out so beautifully because I know my audience will resonate. Yes. With me using them to produce. My so,
0: are these women that uh, are are struggling to find employment?
1: Right. So this organization arose because women in the community were saying they needed some kind of a training to get living wage jobs. Yeah. And apparently there's a lot of sewing industry in
0: the South Bend area. So. So that's perfect. So that while they're working, they're learning and they have skills that they can use to get employment elsewhere. Right. And you now have a place where if you wanted to do a big wholesale order, you've got a place that could do it start to finish for you. Yeah. Yeah. they
1: they, I've already talked to them they can do thousands of pieces for me like they they're used to doing big orders
0: so uh, so I'm wondering a bit here but I also want to know what are you still shipping everything
1: I am yes um I don't foresee that happening you know 10 years from now or whatever but for now you know now that I'm out of the making yeah I mean packing an order is like no time at all compared to what I was used to.
0: Yeah. And so, uh, so there's no plan to get a day job.
1: Mm, Not really. No. I mean, I don't have so much pride that if I have, you know, something happens and I have to go get a job, I'll go do it. Like it's not going to be the end of the world for me or my business, but I think I'm going to be okay. Like,
0: (sighs) so proud of you. Thank you so much for sharing. So I think you're going to uh, you'll find that there are people that want to talk to you and I know there's going to be people that uh, want want to see your site. So can you tell everybody where they can find you?
1: Yeah, so my site is carlwesley.com w e s l e y. Um, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. So my username on both of those is carl period wesley period menswear
0: so cool thank you so much I am over here cheering for you let me know if I can help you in any way
1: yeah thanks for having me on Susan so
0: anytime maybe next year we can uh we can record an episode about how you hit your 100k and started your subscription
1: so you know I'm thinking I need to be thinking about doing reliable revenue
0: yeah for sure next. yeah we I think can. I need to
1: take it to the next level.
0: Oh, let's take you to the next level. I can't wait. So excited.
1: But I'm definitely at a point, you know, now after a year being in the inner circle, that I really feel like I'm in control and I'm uh, I'm headed in the right direction for my business, even though it hasn't felt like that, yeah. you know, for the last year.
0: Yeah, it's so funny. Like, uh, even, like, for me with the the, the doggo, um it, But I've seen it so many times and I had it myself with We Squeak is that for so long, it seems like you're chasing the sales and chasing the sales and stressing about the sales. And then there's a shift. And and what happens is you realize that if you decide to sell, you know, 100 orders next month, you actually (laughs) can't. Instead of desperately trying to figure out how you can, you actually know how, and you're there and it's actually business becomes so much easier when you get there.
1: You know, I think the first sales you get online, have they've got to be the hardest ones. Artist. But if you get rolling, it, you know, yeah. like when I look back at the last year and how much I've sold in a year, it blows yeah. to mind.
0: That's a lot of underpants.
1: For real. It totally, it totally <laughs> is. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Well, congratulations. And you're speaking about it all with such confidence that just you, uh, you don't know how much that means to me. I'm so excited for you. So I'm going to see you back in the inner circle. Thank you so much for sharing with everybody. I know they're going to love it.
1: Thanks for having me, Susan. Good talking to you. You too.
0: Hey, listen, if you like what we're working on here at the Roadmap to 50k, and it's helping you get clarity on your next steps, I think you really have to check out our inner circle. You know, it is just an amazing place to learn how to build your business the right way and you get to do it with a wonderful group of store owners that support each other and will cheer you on. You know, in the Inner Circle, our only purpose is to help our members get results and because of that, we actually have dedicated coaches that are fully trained and available to work one-on-one with you And we offer that to our members at crazy affordable prices because I know that sometimes you just need a little extra help to get past a roadblock so that you can move on and make progress again. So if this sounds good to you, I want you to head on over to the socialsalesgirls.com forward slash inner